oftentimes we show on our Instagram page some of the amazing VHS tapes that I have. You do have some amazing ones. What people don't know, though, dude, is that I have, like, boxes full of recorded from TV tapes from my childhood. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. I mean, everything from, like, you know, MTV2. Like, I just pressed record and recorded a whole day of it. You know what Which I mean? Which is awesome. Oh, it's a great to watch back. But, dude, I found one that I think is going to be right up our alley, and it's perfect timing. Mm. So, what you got? Well, it's an old tape with old Unsolved Mysteries episodes. Dude. Oh, man. Nothing and better. I, dude, I found one that I know we've talked about before, you and I. You mentioned it, but I couldn't believe it whenever I saw it. So just trust me, man. Let's put this thing in. Let's, let's go. Oh, I love it. Let's do it. Shortly after the death of his grandfather, Don Decker's life took on a disturbing, almost supernatural dimension. Suddenly, wherever Don was, rain mysteriously began to appear, leaving his friends to wonder if he had somehow been possessed. But for Don Decker, the rain was only the beginning. Welcome back, ghouls and gals, to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, the podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, all things spooky, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your spooky host, Tyler Bentz, and this is your other ghostly host, Woody Brown. Hey, dude. Well, first, I want to apologize for my weird nasally voice, but yeah, We're kind of going through the sickness in the house right now, and it sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. But, dude, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say my oregano pills have, have sustained <laughs> me. Uh, <laughs> oh, but, my gosh. But we just got back from fall break in Chattanooga, Tennessee, mm-hmm. which was amazing, by the way. Perfect time of year to do it. We went to uh, Ruby Falls and, like, Rock City, you know, which is just, like, a classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Americana, a little slice of Americana, all kinds of stuff with like trolls and fairies and gnomes and goblins and stuff. Like, it's awesome. It's really cool. Um, yeah, it's great. But I slept in a bed with my four year old who just snored and coughed right in my face like the entire time. So I think it's finally, it's finally, finally catching up, huh? Took hold. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, by the time I think the listeners are listening to this episode, mm-hmm. we're going to be doing our fall break, my family. Uh, right. We're going to be down in Orlando at uh, mm-hmm. Disney, man. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, first Disney experience. Uh, I'm on the... Oh, on the, really? On first the one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see what I th- we'll see what my final review is. I. Yeah. You know, this kind of, like, it's always kind of been, like, I understand you, you got to go at least once kind of thing, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? Um but it's not my it's not my cup of tea. But I mean, I will say that the, I, I think I think the coolest part is the fact of like when you're going, and I think seeing all of like the I mean, whatever they do, they do it well. Yeah. As far as in the parks, as far as the whole company overall, there's some. Well, no, I just I, mean like you know, I'm not a big roller coaster guy anyway. 
Uh, oh, yeah. I you know, and I don't think my kids are really. I don't mm. know, man. Just a bunch of lines. In, in, in other words, like for that cost, I mean, seriously, yeah, we could right. just go to Ireland again. And to yeah. me, that's more, I don't know. Anyway, I don't want to get into it. What I do want to get into, though, is mm-hmm. we've got this tape. Mm-hmm. And yes, we could present this story to our listeners on our own, but, you know, why not like dial the time machine back to 1993 when this episode first aired? Let's sit down in the Midnight Radio Studios together mm-hmm. and watch this episode of Unsolved Mysteries, man. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know about you guys listening and you, Tyler, but they're like when I was a kid, especially this like late 80s, early 90s, this guy's voice, man, like it didn't matter if it wasn't that scary of an unsolved mystery. Mm-hmm. I was I was freaked out. Oh, dude, the second that you heard that dun, 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 mm-hmm. little piano score and then mm-hmm. with his voice, it, I mean, honestly, if I if if I'm being honest here and I'm I'm kind of showing my cards a little bit, but I have to admit, like unless it was like and again, this is coming from somebody not afraid of the dark, not yeah, I, I don't really, I don't scare easily as far as that stuff, but there was but something about cries. Yeah, okay, here we are again. But definitely, that show and that intro and his voice, like if it wasn't in the middle of the day, like if it was at night or I was watching TV by myself and that came on, immediately cut it off. Oh man, for sure, it was like this show and then Rescue Nine One One. Would right. like freak me yeah. out, dude. Like yeah. I would just be freaked out, but in a good mm-hmm. way. It's like I I craved that, but I also yeah. hated it at the same time. It's weird. Yeah, you know? me too. Anyway, yeah, dude. Let's press play on this thing. Let's do it. We commit his body to the ground, earth to earth, ashes. February twenty fourth, nineteen eighty three. In Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, the funeral of James Kishpaw is in progress. He had died of cirrhosis of the liver at the age of 63. The Lord look upon him with favor and give him peace. His grandson, 21-year-old Don Decker, had been granted a furlough from a county jail to attend the funeral. We would like to invite you to come forward and pay your last respects. Don was serving a four to 12 month sentence for receiving stolen property. It was a capstone of a troubled adolescence. What no one knew was that Don had been keeping a dark secret. He says that his grandfather, James, the man he was now obliged publicly to mourn, had abused him physically from the time he was seven years old. No other part of the family knew anything about, you know, what happened. And uh, it was like, uh, you know, like good fighting evil, I, I basically I put it, you know. Um, the evil was gone, and uh, I was hoping, you know, that everything would change. In fact, things would change, and drastically, but not in a way Don Decker could ever have imagined. After the funeral, Don was completely unnerved by the way his parents glorified his grandfather's memory. He decided to spend the night with his friends, Bob and Jeannie Kiefer, whom he had met a few months earlier. It was at the Kiefer's home that all the uneasy feelings stirred up at his grandfather's funeral came back to haunt Don. 
Suddenly, the air around him vibrated with a deep chill. Almost simultaneously, water began to drip from the living room walls. Don fell into an eerie, trance-like state. Jeannie? Yeah? Have you got water running back there? No. Come take a look at this. We've got a leak. At a total loss, they decided to notify the landlord, Ron Van Hoy. Get some pots or a bucket or something. I'm going to call Ron. Hi, Ron. This is Bob Keith. The phone rang, and I got a call from my tenant, Bob, and he said, uh, you have to come down. We have a problem. And I said, well, what's the problem? He says, well, he says, I can't tell you. He says, just come down. He says, but he says, you have to come down right away. Hey, Bob, what's up? Thanks. We've got a leak here. When Ron arrived, he was just as puzzled as the Kiefer's about the cause of the problem. And look, it's on the walls, too. Sure is. We decided that maybe, it, you know, some plumbing, but there were no pipes in the front end of the house to leak. There was basically nothing there that the water could have come from. It could be some condensation or ice melt or something like that. After watching it for a while, I discovered that it wasn't only coming from the ceiling down. It could come from the wall over or from the floor up. There was no, you know, no basic direction that it was coming from. You know, it could come from anywhere. Ron Van Huy telephoned his wife, Romaine, and police officer John Bojan. Officer Bojan didn't know what to make of the strange scene inside the Kiefer house. He brought in his partner, Patrolman Richard Wolbert. If you don't tell me what's going on, I'm not going to go in there, John. At this point, he was telling me, I just want you to walk into the house. And I said, well, I'm not walking into the house unless you explain to me what I'm walking into. He says, trust me, trust me, just walk into the house. I walked in the door, and he came right in behind me, and I couldn't have got two steps inside the front door, and I was absolutely pelted. We were standing just inside the front door, and then there's a droplet of water traveling horizontally, and it just passed right between us and just traveled out into the next room. It happens all the time. Unbelievable. And this is only happening in this room. The rest of the house is dry. Come look in the dining room. It's not happening there. I literally had a chill going up my spine. Make, like make the hair stand up on your neck. That's how, uh, that's how I felt. This was a situation where things were happening that I never, ever dreamed could possibly happen, and there was no way of explaining what was going on. We're going to get you outside, and we're going to take it from there. Let's just go outside. Come on. Yeah. I'd like to stick around. At this point, officers Bojan and Wolbert left to report the incident to the police chief. I can't force you to go. While the Kiefers and Don Decker, who'd gone hours without food, walked across the street to get something to eat, Ron Van Huy and his wife remained behind. They left, and everything else left, too. The rain stopped. The house was normal. Ron, look, it's stopping. We were kind of thinking that maybe it was coming from them. And uh, we weren't sure at that time which one. But uh, we, we kind of figured, you know, because when they left, it left, you know. So we, we were sure it was had something to do with one of them. 
It had now been 23 hours since the mysterious rain began. Pam Scrofano, who owned the restaurant opposite the Kiefer's house, had visited them earlier that day and seen the rain firsthand. Worse than this morning? Yes. Pam was convinced it was the devil's handiwork and that the devil was acting through Don Decker. No, 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 you should probably call the church. Have the priest come over and take a look at me. You're looking at Donnie, and he was like in a trance. You know, he, he would look at you, but not knowing that you were there. I said to Jeannie, I said, you know, he's got to be possessed. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We sit in there. This is what a couple of seconds later, there's water all over the pizzeria, too. You have a crucifix? Hey. You have a crucifix? No. I've never seen anything like that happen in my life. So I went in the cash register. I had a crucifix there. I took it out, put it on him. And the minute, you know, I put it on him, touched the skin, and he got burned. It burned. Just leave Cross burned him. And it turned black. This boy is possessed. You have to call. You have to call the church. You have to have the priest come and look at him. Okay. I'm going back to the house to wait for the police. There's no way that anybody could have played a, you know, a joke like that. This was real. Donnie was doing it himself, and he was doing it without realizing it that he was doing it. To take him to the church and have the priest come and look at him. That's what you should do. Give me a call. Give me a call. Even Don Decker had begun to believe that he was somehow responsible. The rain in the restaurant was the final straw. And now it's stopping. It made me more sure that I was, had something to do with it because it was following me. And it didn't start raining in the house until I got there. They were living there. Nothing ever happened. And that's when I started realizing that that was me. It's not a coincidence. They think it's him. I don't buy it. it could, this is horrible. Back at the Kiefer's house, Romaine Van Huy confronted Don Decker, accusing him of somehow causing all the trouble on purpose. This is your fault. You made it rain in the living room. You made it rain at Pam's place. This is all your fault. It's you, Donnie. You're the one that's doing this, and you have to make it stop. The pots and pans that were over the stove, they started rattling. That's when I got levitated off the floor. I was just, like, floating. Donnie. Then it was like a push, but, um... It wasn't like somebody taking your hand and pushing you. It was like feeling it all over your body at one. And I'm a big guy, you know. You know, I always have been assertive, and that made, made me felt like a newborn, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm scared right now just talking about it, really. But. I believe that there was a... a I don't know if you'd call it an evil spirit, but whatever, a demon, you know, possessed his body and uh, caused this, I, I, you know. Well, this better be good, gentlemen. You wake me up in the middle of the night, I'm out here... A few out hours after the strange incident in the kitchen, officers Bo Jen and Wilbert arrived with their chief, a hardened skeptic in tow. I got a 7 o'clock meeting with the mayor tomorrow morning. When the chief got to the house, he was pelted with weather, just as Rich and I was. I got the impression that he was put on the spot, maybe a little bit embarrassed, like we expected something out of him that he could answer. This looks like a problem with your pipes. There was no way to explain what happened, and I think he was put in a position where he might have felt a little uncomfortable. Dry as a bone on the other side of the house. The Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania chief of police would be one of the only eyewitnesses from that bizarre night who denied that anything out of the ordinary had happened. You got me out of bed for this? 
Chief, this isn't a police problem. This is a plumbing problem. This is a police problem. These people are helpless. These people are having a joke with you. They're having their way with you. Look, nobody's being hurt here. Nobody's being threatened. So we're out of here. We'll talk about it outside. Okay. All right, don't worry. We'll take care of it. The police chief ordered his officers to leave the Kiefer house. He instructed them not to file a report. In fact, he directed them not to speak of the incident at all. I think he just wanted out. He could not uh, give us an explanation for it. He couldn't help us. He couldn't provide us with anything more than what we had, you know, we had experienced and what we had come up with. Well, he just flat out denied it. It didn't happen, and he tried to convince me that nothing happened, and he wasn't going to do that. I saw it, and that's all there is to it. The next day, acting against the specific orders of the police chief, three of his veteran officers went to the Kiefer home to try and figure out what was going on. Turn around. Right. All right. Nice and loose. One of the officers was Bill Davies. All right. So just take a second. Bring your hands behind your back. We're standing there, and I gave Mr. Decker this gold cross to hold. Just hold on to that for a minute. The next thing is it's burning my hands. It burns. And there's no explanation for it. When you picked it up, when you grabbed it, not hot, hot, but it's hot. And that's when I, and I held on to it. Hey, what's going on here? Hey, guys. All of a sudden, he lifted up off the ground, and he flew across the room with the force of though a bus had hit him. Donnie. We look, and uh, right? there was three claw marks on the side of his neck. It was due blood. My God, look at this neck. Come on. I have no answer for it whatsoever. And <clears throat> I just draw a blank, even to today. I've been a cop 40 years, and I never ran anything like this here. Never. I mean, there's always an explanation when something happens. If you got investigated, you come up with something. This is why it happened. This case here, there is no explanation. Evil upon this house. Finally, on the third night, Ron Van Huy was able to convince an evangelical preacher, whom we will call Reverend Johnson, to come to the house and attempt an exorcism. We all must kneel and pray. Every Protestant minister and Catholic priest in Stroudsburg had turned Ron down. The Van Huys and the Kiefers kept vigil while Reverend Johnson prayed for Don. Our Father, who art in heaven. As she started to pray, Donnie went into uh, like a, a convulsion, you know, he, he started to shake. Uh, he pulled himself up into like a ball. And uh, the longer she prayed, he started to relax then. His whole body seemed to quiet completely down. And as you're standing there watching this, you could feel the house itself seemed to take on a t total different feeling. And by the time she got done praying, uh, the water was gone. And that was the last that we saw of any water at the house at all. Amazingly, the rain had stopped. Don Decker appeared to return to his old self. Some witnesses believed that Reverend Johnson had performed a miracle or an exorcism. But whatever it was, the results would prove to be only fleeting. After his furlough, Don Decker returned to the Monroe County Jail. Within a few days, the mysterious rain had once again materialized. 
here. What's the problem here? Look at me. I'm soaking wet. It's all wet. Now get me Drake, out of here. Drake, can you get him out of here? They put me in a maximum security cell, and I was in there with a, another Drake, inmate. And uh, I was thinking, you know, Smith, you I wish you'd make it rain in here. And all of a sudden, water just started coming out of a concrete floor. And uh, at that point, um, I thought I could do stuff. What are you doing? You're throwing water on the cell walls from the sink or from the toilet or something? Huh? I can control it. This time it was different. This time Don felt powerful. He realized he could manipulate the rain at will. You could control the rain. I tell you what, if you can control the rain, make it rain in the warden's office. Make it rain in, in, in Dave Keenhold's office. I was sitting at the desk and I was writing a report. I was all by myself in the administration area. Nobody else was around. It was approximately 8 o'clock in the evening. At the time, I didn't feel anything. My shirt was drooping down. Yeah, come in. Excuse me, warden. I was just down talking to you. I didn't know what was going on, and the officer told me to look at my shirt. It's a brand new shirt. And right here on about the center of my sternum, about four inches long, two inches wide, I was just saturated with water. And he said he could make it. I was startled. I was scared, so was the officer. The officer was very frightened at that particular time. And I just didn't have an explanation of why it happened. All of a sudden, I, I received this uh, frantic call from a sergeant in the jail. His name was Keenhold. And he said, uh, can you come over? We need you. We need your help. Reverend Blackburn, nice to meet you. Sit down, please. Thank you, officer. We'll be fine. So they brought this very meek, mild-mannered young man into the room. And he was asking my help. What is it here? What's going on? I can make it rain. They put a cross around my neck, and it burned. Rosary in my hand, and it burned. Son, don't you think it would be a lot simpler if you just stopped all this nonsense right now? You're making all this up, aren't you? All of a sudden, like that, demeanor changed and the smell came into the room uh, nurses and doctors medical people will tell you that when you walk into a room where someone is dying with a cancer or something usually there's a smell you can tell when you walk in a room and I smelled a smell like that multiplied five times at least evil foreboding um, I have powers you don't I can make it rain. And at that point, he raised his hand and he rubbed his fingers together. And all of a sudden, it started to rain. It was like the devil's rain. It was a mist. I was in the presence of evil. I'm going to pray for you. I don't want you to pray for me. I don't care whether you want me to or not. Prayer is my prerogative. And I opened up the Bible and started to read to him. But the pages never got wet. So help me, it was a frightening thing. Your wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence. I think I was praying more for me than it was for him. I prayed, and, I, and it was only a brief period, and the rain stopped. I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. He subsided, and you could feel a peace. He said, thank you. He got tears in his eyes, and we hugged, and we prayed together. He was possessed. 
There's no doubt in my mind. There is no way that a human being could do what he did in that room. There's no way that he did anything but what he did was spiritual. And it wasn't of God. Guaranteed it was not of God. Well, it's over, and it hasn't happened again. So um, basically, I'm just hoping that it never will. And uh, I just, you know, go day by day. And uh, as for my grandfather, um, I think what had happened was his doing. Because he abused me when I was young, he got a chance to abuse me again. I think what makes this case very unique is that all of the witnesses are so credible. We're dealing with very good, well-seasoned police officers that were obviously rather frightened and shaken by this, but also had the powers of observation. Chip Decker, no relation to Don, and Peter Jordan are the principal paranormal researchers on this case. They believe that somewhere there is information as yet undiscovered which may help them unravel this mystery. The Donald Decker case, the Rainboy case, is by far the singularly most fascinating and important case I have ever personally been involved in. That does not mean that I believe that it necessarily is proof positive to me of demonic infestation, but is the case in my own personal experience up to this point that comes the closest to that hypothesis. What happened to Don Decker? In all nine eyewitnesses, 10, counting Don himself, are willing to go on public record claiming they saw, heard, and felt phenomena apparently not of this world. Is it possible that Don Decker, somehow mesmerized by the pain of a childhood trauma, stumbled into another world which none of us can fathom? Or was Don Decker perhaps trapped in some murky region of his own psyche, his power to do good and his power to do evil, locked in combat with Don's own body as a battlefield? After all, as John Milton wrote in Paradise Lost, the mind is its own place, and in itself can make a heaven of hell, a hell of heaven. After these messages, we'll be right back. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very intense For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures from another dimension, another world. I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. Man, what a pleasant uh, trip down memory lane. I- I've got to say, I think, if my recollections are are correct here, I think I saw this episode when it was like in syndication, like later. I don't think, I, I don't remember seeing this then, but, the, and the reason I say that is because I remember my, and I've, to you longtime listeners, I've, I've mentioned my Aunt Linda a million times. She was the one who was into all that. Everything scared, you know, a blue collar family, but then she was like the one sort of shining beacon of, uh, of like imagination and obsessed with Stephen King, owned every, every first edition book and, all that kind of stuff. Loved horror movies. And so I remember her uh, telling me about this story. And she was kind of like obsessed with it. And so that's where I first heard about it. And then I remember later on, like seeing it. Uh, I remember there's certain aspects of this that I remember just this, just the second I sort of rewatched it. Mm. And one of them is like, just, just the way that this guy, this, this, when they interviewed Don Decker as an adult, this is like 10 years after the fact, right? Because, I mean, this episode aired in, I think... I think 1993? Yeah, February 10th, 1993. It's season five, episode mm. 18 of of uh, the classic Unsolved Mysteries. Mm. And it's 10 years right before that that Don Decker and his family and people have this, like, experience. But I'll never forget, like, the thing that kind of triggered my memory about it Mm-hmm. Was his like his facial expression? It's very flat. <laughs> yeah, it is. You yeah. know, and I think you know, it, you know, don't <laughs> you can't laugh. To, you know, I know exactly. He just got that dead eyed look. Yeah, man, and yeah. kind of learning more about him as his lifestyle and stuff. Like he was an er, young. It's kind of sad, man. Like don't maybe. Yeah, laugh, it's really but, sad. You know, he was like a young sort of drug user that mm-hmm. that sort of like hindered his development. In a sense. Yes, and so well, I think, and also, and not to get too grim, or the, the I think the saddest part is like, and it never, never really like specifies this, but you know, it says when his when his grandfather died, like he, I think he was really torn in a way because you know it's his grandfather, and like his as far as I know, like his parents had, had kind of turned their back on him, mm-hmm. but also his he had his grandfather had abused him as a kid and like I'm sort of thinking like possibly like mm-hmm. you know sexually I guess yeah uh and so well, that's it's interesting too like sad. the way he even went to the funeral was that he was on furlough right from right. his prison sentence mm-hmm. for accepting stolen goods I think is was the charge mm-hmm. here's something else about this guy that that was interesting to me that later on so first let's just say that there are many that are skeptical of this case in general throughout the years, you know? Mm-hmm. And we'll kind of dive through those different theories that the skeptics have. But one thing to know is 
you know, he was actually arrested most recently, I think, in 2012 for arson. Right. And, I found that too. Mm-hmm. And so because of like criminal activity and, and that kind of thing, a lot of folks kind of just chalk him up to being a non-reliable sort of source of information. And I get that. But what I've kind of deduced from, you know, again, re-watching it, seeing his uh, facial expression and then sort of the types of crimes that he's done. So like with this arson thing, a store owner basically hired him to burn down this st- the store so that the guy could, you know, oh. do oh. like some insurance fraud or something like that. And, and you're talking about in like 2012? Yes, yes. Right. And so yeah. it's like the, the crimes that he's convinced to do, like the other one that he was arrested for and spending mm-hmm. jail time holding stolen property, like he right. wasn't the one that stole it. So in other words, he kind of seems like the guy that is easily convinced by other people, mm-hmm. you know, that are doing bad things to just like, hey, man, hold on to this for me, you know, yeah. taking advantage of easily. Well, and, and so he, when I hear the the bit about the fact that his grandfather uh, abused him in some way, and mm-hmm. I'm like, you, I, I, you know, it, it, to me, it wouldn't have been a huge secret if he was just like punching him in the face all the time. So it had to have been something right worse, right. you know? Yeah. Well, and, and that's like what you're, I mean, I think this is where you're heading to is like a lot of times that will stunt your growth behaviorally. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of, even though he's, he's an adult, he's kind of perpetually in that same state of where yeah. he was, he was stunted, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they also say like the, I guess the family friends, uh, which I love these people. They're, they're so nice, especially uh, Bob, Bob and Jeannie mm-hmm. uh, Kiefer. They had said several times that, like, you know, he had a, a tough life and, you know, they totally opened up their home for him when his own mother wouldn't. And, you know, he he said that, like, you know, he kind of got caught up in the wrong crowd. And and usually that's kind of a, a sort of a cop-out a little bit, I think, to be like, oh, not my son. He just got wrapped up in the wrong yeah. crowd. But... I mean, from the crimes and stuff, it, you know, I kind of buy it a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I mean, well, here's another thing that's interesting, dude. He was 21 when all this stuff happened. Mm. So the fact that they call him, you know, Rain Boy <laughs> at 20, at 21 kind of tells you a lot that you need to know. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you, you know, you feel bad for this guy. Yeah. And, but let's start diving into like the weird stuff. Yeah. You know? That, that that happened. Well, first, I, I think I think the thing to me that makes this story so compelling and so cool is just the massive amount of eyewitnesses that all experience this sort of crazy, you know, if you will, like phenomenon. Mm-hmm. You know, and it wasn't. It happened at, as far as I know, th- at least three different locations you know so uh i I, I don't know to me it just it's such a high strangeness kind of event and case but i think it's like really grounded just by the amount of just this huge amount of eyewitnesses also i you know he's sort of the the common denominator in it you know Mm -hmm. even if he's like moving locations and stuff so i just wanted to say that like that is weird and as crazy and far-fetched as uh, maybe this story sounds like mm-hmm. it's 
it's grounded pretty well. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point, dude. It's like the more outside witness accounts that you can kind of add to something like this, Mm -hmm. the the more realistic it becomes because it's like, you know, again, one of my favorite parts of that that, um, episode is when like the chief of police or whatever gets called out there Mm -hmm. and like the reenactment actors uh, that's playing the chief is kind of like, this better be serious, call me out of bed on the, you know. So I just imagine this, you know, like 50-something that's getting called out by these two younger cops that are like, Mm -hmm. dude, I'm telling you, man, the water's moving sideways. This chief chief is just ticked, man. And and I think for like a long time, even still kind of chalked it up to a pipe leak or something like that, you know. And so what's compelling, though, is, well, first, if I was approaching it with like full skepticism and thinking like, okay, this guy somehow... (laughs) I mean, again, like even as I say it, it's hard to even just justify believing this guy who's 21 that people consider boyish mm-hmm. enough to call him Rain Boy <laughs> that's easily convinced to do like kind of dumb crimes. I mean, like right. getting caught holding stolen material is just kind of stolen material is kind of just silly. Mm-hmm. Being convinced to like burn down someone else's store and just yeah. like easily getting caught, you know, it's not like an intellectual crime here, right? And so right. like, to believe that he's now set up this hoax mm-hmm. himself isn't believable. So then it's kind of like, okay, well, then maybe those folks that were kind enough to let him uh, live with him because he's jobless and he's kind of a, uh, you know, petty criminal. And mm-hmm. it's maybe they set it up. And then you're like, okay, well, maybe. And then the stuff happens inside of the jail cell. No, no, no. You're skipping the pizza restaurant. Oh, yeah, yeah, the pizza restaurant. So there's like a whole other... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. ...like group of of witnesses or whatever. Yeah, so uh, sort of set the stage. You know, they're they're in this home, you know, where he's staying at. He, I guess, had just come home from or come back from his grandfather's funeral. He's kind of in a very listless kind of like... They keep sort of referring to it as like a trance type state, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is which kind again, of... Which again, dude, you, you watch this guy's face and it's like, is he always in a trance? Right, I mean, can right, you imagine exactly. a more trance trance? <laughs> I thought the exact same thing. I'm like, this guy's talking right now and he's in a trance right yeah, now. it's happening. Because like one of the witnesses, if you remember too, is just like, I mean, he's just kind of like, you would ask him <laughs> questions. He just kind of like looked at you and answered real slow. I'm like, uh, right. uh, he's kind of doing that right now. Is it about to start raining? <laughs> yeah. God, the only thing that would have been funnier is if, while he's giving the interviews, you just start seeing rain coming up from the ground behind him. Mm-hmm. Or if, like, all of a sudden some crazy Australian is in the background just yelling, Chirunga! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing that would make this better. Mm-hmm. No, I got to say, I still have a hard time, like, visualizing this. For some reason, I think of, do you remember that movie Backdraft? Yeah. I mean, I know you do, but... You know when you would see like like the flames kind of like shoot across the roof, mm-hmm. you know, sort of horizontally or whatever. Yeah. To me, I guess that's kind of how I view this. I don't quite understand. I don't quite well, under, I can't wrap my head around how this looked. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably a pretty good sort of comparison. I mean, let's just be honest here. The, the visual effects of the actual Unsolved oh. Mysteries episode left a lot to be desired. Yeah. When they explain it, they just show like a streak, like a streak of water. Mm-hmm. which is inter- an interesting, um, you know, cinematic uh, decision. But, you know, I think I think that's 
if you can just picture water moving in a way that just doesn't seem right. I mean, that's enough to be kind of weirded out. Oh, yeah. You know, so one of the other things, and I'll just kind of address it here, that skeptics have said is, well, maybe it was, this is all due to uh, ice this damming. The ice thing, yeah, that's so yeah. stupid. And so I, in my entire life, had never mm-hmm. heard of ice damming until, and this is, you know, let me straighten my tie here. This is when be, being an insurance agent mm. is going to make its way into the podcast. Mm-hmm. That's the first time I learned about ice damming because in the South, mm. we don't really deal with it, especially here in, in Georgia, much at all. It happens quite frequently, though, the further north you get. And so folks like in Pennsylvania and New England and all those areas have to deal with ice dams. Mm-hmm. And, well, first, let me explain what an ice dam is. It's basically this ridge of ice that forms sort of on the edge of a roof mm-hmm. and it prevents the melting snow that's like above it from draining off the roof. And so what happens is it gets trapped mm. uh, between, mm-hmm. and again, it's hard for anybody down south to kind of, you know, like, well, if, it, if there's ice, it'll be gone tomorrow, you know? But right. imagine like a thick layer of ice that doesn't leave just because the sun's out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a kind of cold that mm-hmm. us southerners can't really imagine unless we're watching like Game of Thrones or, you know, that kind right. of thing. It, it's it's rare down here. Mm-hmm. But that ice dam, anytime that snow sort of melts, all that water just kind of pools and stays there. And when it does that, it can kind of, uh, kind of seep in and cause water damage or mold and mildew to collect on the roof and, and essentially weaken that structure. Mm-hmm. And it even will cause water to kind of come into the uh, the home. Mm-hmm. And so it is a common thing, and it's and it's you know, it's a feasible explanation. If someone was kind of coming into this situation, and was extremely skeptical, and just thought of it as like, you know, yeah, no, no, it's an ice dam, dude. I've seen this kind of stuff before. To me, that feels like such a. I, I just like to me that's more unbelievable. Uh, just from from how they explain this phenomenon sort right, of working, right. yeah, it's like. Okay, I get it. It's creating the ice dam and the water's pooling and then it's like leaking or whatever. But it's like, okay, leaking is very, very different from, you know, mist coming up from the ground and then it raining horizontally right. across like the ceiling. Like it's just... Yeah. To me, it's kind of like it's a, it's something on the list of things that you would want to kind of like eliminate as a possibility, right? You know, if you're investigating something, yeah. you're going to eliminate the possibilities. But here's another key feature of it that wasn't present, as far as I remember listening to this and watching it, there's no, like, stainings, right? So there's, it doesn't just all of a sudden begin dripping. Mm -hmm. Same with a, same with, like, a slow leak. Uh, Mm -hmm. It doesn't just, you know, if you're you're looking up at your ceiling right now, or listener, if when you get home later today or whatever, whenever you're listening to this, look up at your ceiling and just know that, like, if it's drywall, whatever, Water doesn't just like go through the drywall and just immediately start dripping. There's going to be some staining first, right? So mm-hmm. there's various degrees of what would happen. If it's like a pipe burst, you'll see that moisture area mm-hmm. and it'll look, you know, darker. It won't be necessarily a stain, but, and then it'll start like dripping like crazy. There will be a clear source, in other words, of mm-hmm. where this damage is coming from. The same is pretty much true of, of an ice dam. And if it was like large enough to cause it in a large area, same kind of deal. It doesn't just happen like immediately on an ice dam. It's more of a slow problem. And that's really truly where the issue is with an ice dam is that slow drip 
Yeah, it's just you don't like notice a, it fast enough, and that's what causes that moisture damage and mildew and stuff like mm-hmm. that right. to occur. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I think it also doesn't run upside down. <laughs> yeah, for sure, does not do that. Yeah, that's one of the things too. I'm glad you actually said that. Is because, well, first let me say that again. It's it's kind of like it's a little bit of a slap in the face uh, to people just because. Th- so this was like. This was a big article in like Skeptic Magazine. Did you run across this? I don't think so. I think back in the early 2000s, but this is this is where you're getting a lot of the the skeptical stuff. It was it was this this like sort of famed skeptic, which is really weird. It's like you're a professional non-believer slash debunker mm. of things. I don't know. Just that's that always rubs me the wrong way. Like I think it's good to be skeptical, but I th- think like. If you're literally a, like, I think, like, Joe Nichols is is sort of the main one when it comes to paranormal. But it's like, the, their whole job is to literally debunk these things. Mm-hmm. And well, so, okay, hold on. Let me just interject here. Mm-hmm. I think that's okay for the sake of separating the unsolved and unexplainable from the people that just want attention, right? And so, like, in a way, I think there's some good uh, and t- maybe, I don't know Joe Mickelson or whatever the mm-hmm. guy's name is, but and I don't know that if that's his intent. But you know, just to come out and just like prove everything wrong, in in some sense is um, I don't know. I don't mind it as much because like there's a lot of just bullcrap men that exist. Oh, oh yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, no, I I'm saying like the these are guys, and again, it's like literally skeptic magazine is like a whole magazine dedicated to it yeah the whole magazine is dedicated to i mean it's like the the bs fact checkers that you Mm. constantly see it's like this is incorrect because it's like okay bro but I, i think with this it's just like it's like, come on, man, you're going to have to give me, you know, you're supposed to be the one who's representing like science and mm-hmm. logic. And so it's like, you're going to have to give me something better than like trying to convince me that this is ice damming when, mm-hmm. and you're telling me that all these other people who are Pennsylvania natives, old men, you know, the, there's the couple that own the house. They ended up calling out the landlord. They ended up calling out the cops. You're telling me all these people are so unaware of their surroundings that, that they, mistakenly looked at this as some sort of weird phenomenon as opposed to it actually being like ice damming. It's mm-hmm. like, come on, man. Well, That's like- and folks, the water dripping is only the tip of the iceberg. You like that? There it is, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's okay, fine, cool. It's mm-hmm. ice damming. Let's talk about the other stuff. Yeah, okay. It's like, so So when he, when they left the premises, and not only did he leave, but when he left, the phenomenon magically stopped in the house. Like they said, literally, the second that he was out of the house, mm-hmm. it completely stopped. I think it's, we need to say that like the landlord, you know, him and the the cop and the couple, they were looking around, they were looking everywhere uh, because mm-hmm. they originally thought that it was like a, a burst pipe, you know? So yeah. they're looking all over the place, they find nothing. They say, well, let's, let's, this is crazy. And I mean, you can kind of imagine that situation of like, man, well, as a just, homeowner, man, you don't, you know, like water damage is a serious. Thing. Yeah. It's no joke. Mm-hmm. Well, but so, I'm saying like the, just the idea that like, it's like, Hey man, like I can't even get my bearings here because there's water shooting all over the place. Mm-hmm. Let's go across the street to the pizza shop. <laughs> uh, 
So they go there. What? I mean, what an eighty? What an eighties oh, move? Mm-hmm. Hey guys, look, we got water shooting everywhere. <laughs> I don't really know why. We'll figure it out later. Who's who's up for a slice? <laughs> maybe a maybe a run on. You got an extra quarter? Let's play some Pac Man. There you go. Yeah, Galaga. But the, you know, then they go to the pizza place, and there you go again. Boom! Starts again at the pizza place. Man, I just think that like. Again, and I know that, like, I am, I mean, and I'll admit it, I'm always going to be the one who pushes back against, like, people who just, like, live to debunk things. But it's just, like, if we're looking at this logically, I don't know what this is. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying it's a demonic attachment. I'm not saying it's, like, psi phenomenon. I'm not saying that the dude has hydrokinesis. I'm saying whatever is happening logically and scientifically he is the common denominator in all of these separate locations and where this crazy stuff is happening. And so it has to be something associated with this dude. For everybody listening that doesn't know what hydrokinesis is, it is the psychic ability to Mm -hmm. manipulate, said it weird, manipulate or control water. Oh, yeah. I'm a huge X-Men fan, so I know a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which we'll get into like sort of our theories on this which mine may surprise I mean, mine's pretty you. simple. I, I mean... I mean, like, we get, are we doing it now? No, 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 no. Because, like, here's what I want people to understand. The one piece of information alone mm-hmm. could potentially be explained away. And I get that. And I, well, here's the one that I'm talking about. So, it happening at the friend's house, mm-hmm. maybe there's a leak. Right. They leave because everybody needs a slice. They go to the pizza place. Happens there. Whoops mm-hmm. and daisies. What's going on? Well, if I was... Skeptical, and if I was a law enforcement officer, for example, and I mm-hmm. already had an opinion formed about this kid who was, by the way, in jail and has a criminal record and is a drug user, and right, of course, you know, yeah. all this kind of stuff, I would mm-hmm. think, okay, what's the common denominator here? It's this kid, somehow he's doing this. How's he doing it? Yeah. yeah, so then I would say, well, what's going on? Some other interesting facts that kind of add another supernatural element to it is, you know, I think. This is around the time that, you know, he's given like a crucifix or something by some, like a family member or the friend or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he says it is like hot to his touch or whatever. Yeah. Right. And, and well, and, and what's interesting too is they said that they, I, and I don't, I can't remember who it was, but like uh, maybe it was the, the cop had the crucifix in his hand and it was cold, mm-hmm. handed it to him. You know, he, he started saying that it was burning him. And then the cop went to pick it, you know, get it back. And it was like, you know, burning hot to the touch. So, yeah. well, and then here's here's another cool, I mean, cool, creepy, weird, and unexplainable thing. Mm-hmm. The cops confront him. Mm-hmm. Hey, you've got to be doing this. Cut it out. Blah blah blah. Right. Then, and I get pot, it. Pots and pans start moving, and yeah. and then this kid is levitated off the ground. Now, folks, will never. I saw this part. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I remember the beginning of this, mm-hmm. and I can tell you right now, Tyler, you know, was talking about he's not scared of things. I must have pressed stop or turn the channel when the rest of this stuff started happening. Yeah, right. Because I don't recall any of the rest of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So the second half of this story, like, I kind of relearned it recently because I didn't know about all that. Him floating in the air, I must have been like, nope, this is not my... Bing, 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 bing. You know, mm-hmm. hey, hey, does anybody have a copy of Ernest Saves Christmas? 
Uh, you know, <laughs> good, good callback to last episode. Well, just in case anybody thought that that wasn't really my go-to, it's really my go-to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so this is, and, and long-time listeners of the show will know that this is true, but for new people, the stuff that scares me isn't necessarily like Freddy Krueger. or Well, actually, out of all of them, Freddy Krueger probably yeah, definitely like did when I was a kid. But mm-hmm. Jason, uh, Mike Myers, like all that stuff, Michael Myers, Mike Myers. Austin Powers. Yeah. I thank you. <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, that stuff doesn't, like physical slasher type stuff doesn't scare me like the more sort of demonic spiritual type movie stuff. Like I don't like watching those. I don't want to see the possession type stuff. I don't want to see mm-hmm. that stuff just because it's freaky, man. You know, like I can run or try at least to escape this big dude with a machete. Mm-hmm. But like the weird demon stuff, man. Like, yeah. so you I and my wife are, are yeah, I don't like identical. it. But when when I heard this, it's kind of like, well, that is not a nice dam, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. He gets like thrown across the room and stuff, and like claw marks. Oh, here's another detail that's crazy. So these officers think, okay, uh, like think about this explanation, folks. You know, I'm not on the opposite side of the coin. I'm equally annoyed by somebody that presents an just a stupid right, exactly. explanation for something mm-hmm. That's without what like proving it. Like my thing is, if you're going to be skeptical, mm-hmm. you have the same amount of responsibility well, to well, prove. Rephrase that. Being skeptical is a good thing. I think we're all somewhat skeptical, but being yeah. a skeptic. True, true. Okay. Being a skeptic that's hard-nosed about certain things, mm-hmm. to me, you have this the equal responsibility to present the possibility of like, well, here's what I think happened. I mean, that's what a theory is, right? A theory is an idea. Mm-hmm. And then scientists go and test that theory. It's not yeah. always right, and that's okay, because then they come up with other theories and test right. those. So for someone just to say, it's a nice damn. Okay, cool, but like exactly. test that. Show me how that, you know, mm-hmm. duplicate it. Duplicatable is an important thing in science. And yeah. so it's, it's the same thing with like true crime, dude. You know, you have to be able to duplicate. If you're going to come into court... What's the scientific and say, method? Like, this is how, this is our theory of how the kill was done. Mm-hmm. They've got to duplicate that in a lab multiple, multiple times to be able to convince, you know, me if I'm on the jury. Mm-hmm. And so, all that to say, one of the explanations is this kid must be spitting. <laughs> Dude, when I read that, I'm like, wow. Uh, oh, and not that's... to insult the you know Pennsylvania town that this kid's from mm-hmm. but when i heard when i read that i'm like wowzer not right. a lot of people using their brains in that scenario mm-hmm. that evening the kids spitting so what did they do they put a paper <laughs> also safety first here they put a paper bag on top of this kid's head mm-hmm. and they put this bag on his head things still happen then when they remove the bag he's got like scratches on his face that he couldn't have done himself because there's a bag on his head. Right. Well, and also one thing that you you may not even have picked up on with this, but... We will return after these messages.
Hey, this is Woody. And this is Tyler. And you're listening to That Would Be Rad. And now, back to our show. This is a common theme with, like, things that are so... And, and again, I'm not saying that it's definitively demonic. But I, I am saying that this idea of, like, these scratches, it's always three scratches when it's... Mm. When it's I didn't know t- that. Yeah, when it's really tied into like demonic possession, you know, you you see it a lot with like exorcisms and and that kind of thing is there's always like three claw marks. Usually it's like across someone's back or or something. Man. Yeah. And one thing too that I that I could possibly get on board with the skeptics is they say, well, I mean they, they don't really give any good any sort of burden of proof to convince me that it's not some kind of paranormal thing. Mm-hmm. They say, well, more than likely, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the story was probably just sort of just sort of blown up for exaggerated or whatever. Exaggerated, yeah, right. And mm. I mean, there's a part of that 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 I could see. Okay, maybe, but again, to what end, dude? You think these two cops that, yeah, that visited the, the scene at first just made a ton of money because they said this kid started floating right, off the ground. Right, right. Well, and not only that, but it's like you're, I mean, everywhere that this kid's going, there's like another group of bystanders, by, bystanders, <laughs> bystanders <laughs> who are witnessing and, yeah, you know, seeing this occurrence. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I think the only thing that I could, I mean, you kind of have to to take away what you know about, the rain boy and like the way he looks and talks and just his, his character. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay. So he's been known to be highly impressionable and he gets caught up in the wrong crowd and like, okay, so maybe, maybe he is, he does have something to do with this and maybe like his like 'er ne'er-do-well friends are sort of facilitating that. Mm -hmm. But, but, which is the only kind of explanation that I could see could yeah. maybe be feasible. Sure, sure. Because any time that, like, any of this stuff is happening, he's usually sitting with his, like, head in his hands, mm-hmm. like, or, or just staring off into space. Like, he's well, not he's not doing anything. He's not, like, pulling some he's lever. He's not spitting across. <laughs> he's not spitting on the ceiling. Enough saliva. Right. <laughs> My God. And which, like, which well, real, he, real quick, speaking on saliva before you get into that. Uh, do you remember kids that could do that weird thing where they would like, like do something with their tongue at the bottom of their mouth and they could like shoot spit? Oh yeah. How did they do that? I was, I was never able to do um, that. I forget the name of the, Clay's going to know it. I forget the name of the (laughs) thing on the bottom of your tongue, but yeah, essentially it's where like, it's not the only place, but it's one of the main places that saliva kind of like comes from. And so you can kind of like. Have you ever been like, you've never been like talking to somebody and all of a sudden it's just like, a spray of oh, saliva yeah, comes out and you're like, uh uh-uh, sorry. But That's I was never able from. to like control, control it. Control it, yeah. I mean, yeah, and yeah, shoot yeah. it across a room because I yeah. knew kids that could like put some distance on it. But hold on, real quick. Okay, so I'm with you. I thought mm-hmm. the same thing at first. Again, first half, right? Mm-hmm. And then I don't the, think that. But I'm, here's I the thing, dude. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I know you don't. But uh, you're, you're correct in that that's a feasible line of thinking. Mm-hmm. If, Let's just for a second pretend that there's zero such thing as any th- 
sort of supernatural or spiritual, any of that stuff wiped mm-hmm. off the table, okay? Let's pretend like we don't believe in any of it. Again, mm-hmm. let's pretend that we don't believe in any of it. Right. So we think, well, it's either him. I don't know if he's you know, mentally capable of concocting such an mm. elaborate hoax, especially right. in 1983, right. uh, where like, you know, there isn't just a ton of awesome mini tech that can kind of help facilitate this. But mm-hmm. okay, next, maybe it's his uh, neighbors or whatever, the, the family that lets, brings him in. Mm-hmm. Okay, well then how do we explain when it happened in the jail cell? Right, right, exactly. You know? Mm-hmm. So then it's like, then you go back to, okay, well, maybe this kid has some way of, you know, maybe he's just got the most saliva of anybody we know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just don't. Well, I, I, I got to say, too, that one of the things that I found interesting is, like, not not only was it just sort of, you know, pouring rain horizontally, but everywhere that he would go, it was said that, it like, the temperature of the room, it would, like, cool down, which, mm. you know, obviously is, like, a common thing with, you know, ghost or sort of spirit phenomenon is like the temperature in the room drops. And then they would say that there, it would be like extremely, like an extreme amount of like moisture in the air and like a mist would start forming. So to me, it's like, it's not only this like rain thing. There's something, there's something that's like, that has some sort of manipulation over. And I mean, and I was partially kidding when I said hydrokinesis, but uh, the there's something that's that's multifaceted with this. Mm. It's not just like oh, it's just raining sideways. Yeah, you know what I mean. Man, I don't know. I mean, and again, like, how do you explain? It's not. I don't know why I keep on coming back to this, but I think it just makes me so angry. The fact that someone really thought like you're I told you like it's hard for me to sit. It's hard for me to believe mm-hmm. that two police officers. Mm-hmm. Who are going to get made fun of maybe the rest of their lives? This is eighty three. Yeah, nineteen eighty three. You've got a police chief that believes that there's enough water in this kid's mouth to not only spit and just drench a restaurant and a house, but also mm-hmm. his cellmate's, you know, complete body. They're going to put all that at risk for for what like a movie deal. But, yeah, you know, like I well, don't, and even even that wasn't even a thing back then, you right? Know? Like a lot of people, you know, we talk it, about like the Watcher House, and it's like, oh, well, those people made up this whole thing just to get like a movie deal. This wasn't, <laughs> which a, a now it's a Netflix then. show or whatever. So, yeah, right, right. Which I still love that case. For more about this topic, listen to season two, episode thirty-one, The Watcher House. No, I. Okay, so I guess from the from the the pizza shop, you know, he's mm-hmm. he's thrown across the room. Uh, they notice the three claw marks on his neck with blood coming from them, and then so so then they end up getting an evangelical preacher to come out mm-hmm. to do somewhat of an you know some sort of exorcism. Apparently, it was said that like other priests and ministers in the area had all kind of turned him down. Yeah. The preacher begins to pray and do his thing, and Don began to just like freak out, you know, convulse violently. And then it says that those present uh, seem to notice a feeling overall in the house. At the end of the prayer, you know, the, as we know, the rain completely stopped, and 
never appeared in the house again. Then he would go on to, you know, or go back to the jail. Yeah. And that's when his cellmate was drenched. Yeah. I I remember like there's that part in the, in the uh, reenactment where like the, uh, the jailer basically says, well, if you can make it happen, then just, you know, make it, make it rain in the warden's office. And then like, apparently like the warden had like water on his shirt. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it was like shooting into his chest, mm-hmm. like from across the room. Oh, and well, it when when he was in the jail, it was his cellmate, two separate guards, and a janitor. Yeah, all witnessed it. All witnessed it. Yeah. Let's talk about what we think. I mean, I'm just going to come out with mine, quick and easy, man. Some like there's something that was triggered by him going to his grandfather's funeral. Mm-hmm. Everyone sort of um, speaking kindly about the grandfather, mm-hmm. and then him knowing the, the sinister secret of being an abused victim of the grandfather. Mm-hmm. That triggered something that opened up this. Now I don't know. Well, if, and, and, and I, what I've kind of gathered is maybe maybe the death of his grandfather sort of like re like brought all that stuff back up to the surface. Mm-hmm. That, that maybe he had kind of like partitioned in his mind and sort of yeah. buried, you know? Yeah, kind of like Jean Grey or something. Yeah, exactly, 100%. Got a lot of X-Men references. A lot. Love One it. thing I don't know that I just thought of is, like, was the grandmother still alive? Yeah, it doesn't really say. Because and, here's here's the theory that I have. Okay. If he doesn't just have, like, superhuman abilities to control water, mm-hmm. perhaps it was a poltergeist. Perhaps the grandmother who knows that the grandfather was not a good person, mm. uses that opportunity like, uh, to come and, and sort of, it's just kind of coincidental that Don was there sort of thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And Yeah, that's a, that's uh, a cool Uses theory. kind of latches onto Don. You know, it reminds me of when we talked about like the, uh, the Dibbuk box, right? Mm-hmm. How that kind of opened up a conversation about how you know, items can kind of cause this connection, but then also sometimes poltergeists and spirits in different lore can kind of attach themselves in a way to a person. For more about this topic, listen to Season 2, Episode 5, D-Books, Demons, Ghosts, and Golems. And perhaps that's what happened. So in other words, that's kind of my theory. Like, potentially either, because it doesn't make sense for it to have been like the grandfather necessarily being the poltergeist to me. Mm-hmm. I think maybe right. what if it was like the grandma? She knows he's evil. She's mad that everybody's like saying all these nice things about him. Boom. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, all, all that it really says, e- even his dad, though, I don't think it said. Did you find any mention of mm-hmm. his dad? I, th- I think one thing that I found is like it was kind of a known thing, like the fa- and part of the reason why he was with neighbors or friends or whatever the is that his family was kind of. Um, I don't know how to, what's the right like word I'm looking for? Non-existent kind of? Well, no, they just, yeah, they were kind of just all over the place. They didn't really have a great family dynamic. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, I, I just, the only thing that I found was that the mom, you know, when he was let out of jail originally to, to attend the funeral on furlough, she refused to let him stay with her. So there's obviously some dysfunction, you know. Yeah, uh, and dysfunctional. Again, I mean, That's what I was looking for, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it is, again, it is pretty sad. Mm-hmm. Okay, so before we get to my what I think that this possibly could be, I thought that it was, and again, this is such a 
I mean, it's kind of an X-Men kind of vibe when he does this. But it says, you know, after the two guards, the janitor, his cellmate, all reported seeing the rain, I guess they, like, move him to somewhere else. And it said that he he felt, I guess he told the guard that he felt like he could control it again. And so the guard, you know, told him to make it rain. Oh, they were in the warden's office. That's right. And it says moments later, water began to appear on the warden's shirt, and then it started raining yeah. again. I think that that it's also interesting is after this, you know, they end up getting another reverend. So the, so we first have an evangelical preacher come out. He does some prayers. Don starts convulsing. All the the activity stops, and everything and everything comes to an end. Then when he comes back into the jail, it's almost like, and, and there's a part of this that reminds me of my like sort of, and I know I've said this a million times, but like my sort of orb account is, it's like, it's almost all, all to the me, moisture or whatever. No, no, no. To me, it's almost like, like okay, everything's good. It's all gone. You know, spiritually, everything is sort of repaired and it's over. But then it was like. He left the door open a little by being like, I don't know, I think that I can maybe do this again. And, and so, like mm. with my orb thing, it's like you start, th- all you're doing is like thinking about that thing. So, you're opening mm. something up to be to allow something else in. And so, it all starts happening again. This new reverend comes in and he said that when he got there, there was like a smell of death, mm. which again, that's classic sort of demonic, you know, kind of stuff, that he began seeing the exact same thing, rain appearing in the area, and it would do so at Don's command, it says, which mm. there's a part of that that, like, I, I wish I wish I could find, I wish I had clarification on that a little more because, like, does that mean, like, when he snapped his fingers, does it happen? Or, like, when he, like, points in a direction, does it happen? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no. They make it sound like it's, is it a verbal it, command? Is it like a... Yeah, know? right. Is it a uh, cymatic? <laughs> yeah. D&D. D- um, th- maybe my favorite thing about this is that when it says, you know, the reverend appears, he starts to see it. It says when he opens his Bible, the Bible never got wet. So weird, man. Which is like f- fascinating. And, and uh, one of those weird little high strangeness details that... that it is so sort of abstract that leads me to believe that there's there's more to that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, again, he prays, rain stops. The reverend did this full on like ceremony, and and it said that he prayed with him for hours. Eventually, Don said that he felt like he, you know, like I guess was in a better place like spiritually, you know. But you know, the rain apparently stopped, and it never. It never came back. Yeah, I, I think that, so getting into like what I think it is, I think that, and again, these are all just sort of far out hypotheses, but I think that, well, I go back and forth because I, part of me immediately goes to like some sort of bizarre like psi phenomenon. So basically whatever's happening with, spontaneous human combustion it's like the water version of that mm. and so obviously mm. obviously it's not fire so 
the yeah, person's but it's like, gonna, if that can happen, maybe the opposite can too. Right, right, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and because it's not fire, it's not burning up the person's, you know, so he's able to tell yeah. you or, or do it again. You survive know? it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, survive it. I think that that's just sort of where I go. I, I really, it feels like there's, um, and we've we've talked about like, you know, getting into this more in the future too, about like the, like, you know, sort of sci phenomenon and like that sort of blurry area between what we know scientifically and then the things that are still unexplained. And so to me, it feels like, you know, his grandfather dying, he's, you know, environmental stressors, he's out on furlough. I mean, there's like a high level of like tension and emotions. And so it's like, did he, was he sort of shifting into like maybe like an alter, like an altered state, you know, that he, that he, maybe he had created a long time ago for self-preservation or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe like in that like sort of subconscious thing or whatever was happening, maybe, maybe somehow that was able to do the, this sort of like, you know, poltergeist kind of thing. But the yeah. only thing, so this is why I keep going back and forth though, like, I feel like that feels like some sort of, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he even like tapped in. Maybe he even, you know, because, and again, I go back to when he said, I think that I I feel like I can do it again. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, maybe in this sort of altered state, he sort of was able to like kind of tap in and like control it, you know, a little bit. But then it goes back to the crucifix the bio, you know, Dry anytime Bible. like the like prayer and the Bible and like it, that would always sort of clear it up. So it's like, w- which came first was like, was it sort of a placebo effect that sort of shut down that like altered state that he was in, allowing him to like do all this stuff, or was it truly like a demonic thing? Because again, you you have, and I don't know, like like I'm. I've always had a little bit of a, like, it, it always, I don't know, the, the demonic thing has always kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit, how like, oh, it's it's got to be demonic. It's got to be, like, and so I always sort of push back on that, but there are elements of this that, like, it's hard to look past with, yeah. like I said, with the crucifix and the Bibles and all that stuff. But was that a, just some sort of like a placebo effect and almost like he believed that it was going to happen, so therefore it it basically happened. It did shut it down. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah, no. And it's but interesting the, the, the three too, claw like, marks and the smell of death and being well, thrown across yeah. the room—that's different. I don't know. Yeah, levitation. Yeah, levitation. The, these are all things that that feel. It, it, I don't know. It's hard it's to weird. It's, yeah, yeah. It's super weird, and it's hard to it's hard to still live in that like, oh, well, it's got to be some sort of like psi phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, it, you know, he's doing it with his mind yeah. or whatever. I don't it know, is man. interesting too, like some of the things that you'll find online when people discuss this is, well, how come there isn't any video footage or how come there isn't any right. photographs? And I think it's because so many of the sort of online, uh, well, so many of these comments are probably coming from people that didn't grow up in the 80s. You know, mm-hmm. in 1983, the cost of a VCR was about $1,600. That's just a VCR. That's what plays the tape. Wow. Uh, a camcorder was around $1,000. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Keep in mind too that this all happened within the span of about three days, and you've mm-hmm. already got like yep. a police chief that's pissed off and just is like, "Dude, it's an ice dam. Leave it alone." Went home. This kid starts levitating. So, in other words, being able to capture that phenomenon, there are a lot of things that would have had to have lined up. Number one, that that small local police office would would have had the funds to have their own camcorder that, right. that can be taken away from the police headquarters instead mm-hmm. of just used for interrogations, for example. So in other words, if they did have one, mm-hmm. they're not taking that thing off campus, so to speak. It's expensive as heck, man. You think yeah. the chief's going to be like, all right, give it to Johnny. You know, he's the one that just told me this kid floated, and I think mm-hmm. it was a nice, you know, like, that's not happening. That's number one. Right. Number two, as far as, like, photographs and stuff, I mean, man, you go back and you look at the 80s, um, just the sim- like the types of cameras that you had access to, um, <laughs> Yeah. You know, at the time, like, no, don't get me wrong. There's a, there were amazing cameras, but they, again, mm-hmm. were expensive, right? And so, like, the right. cheaper ones, man alive, <clears throat> you know, I don't know I that mean, they would have been able have to. I could have had, like, a Polaroid, maybe. Yeah. And I think maybe you know. there, there could be some photographic evidence. But, like, for the most part, I think it happened relatively, like, so quickly. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're not going to have taken the camcorder. Or, like, and by the way, too, if you're younger and you don't know what we're talking about in terms of this size. Like, it's not the size of a of <laughs> oh, an iPhone. Yeah. For reference, go back and watch the first Back to the Future. This mm-hmm. is a shoulder-held camera. And, and mm-hmm. those of us that grew up in the 80s, you know, the smaller the technology got, the more expensive it was. So by the time mm-hmm. my folks had that shoulder-harnessed freaking camcorder, mm-hmm. you know, it's later in the 80s. And, you know, people listening that grew up in this time will remember their dads or moms standing on the sidelines of the soccer field with this huge monstrosity on their shoulders. Whereas now it's just, you know, the phone in our pocket, which is crazy. So I just wanted to address that because I know Mm -hmm. that that is, you know, a potential sort of like thing to think about as you've listened to the stories of, well, how come there wasn't video of this or whatever? You know, it happened quickly. It was not something that recurred past this, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that kind of technology was expensive back then. Well, and, and also I think I think maybe even something else that adds to the believability of of why we don't have, uh, you know, video or, or photo evidence of this is it was it was sort of relegated to the first location we're in the house of the people. The, the, these people are freaking out because there's rain inside their house. Then they go to the pizza shop. You know, the odds of somebody just having a camcorder in a pizza shop are probably pretty slim. And like you said, you have this this uh, police chief who is already just kind of like over it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which I, I, I totally get. So he's probably, you know, I, I wonder if if maybe one of the, the guards or something maybe even have like mentioned it like, hey, like, let's try to get this on video. Let's try to like... I could see that being shut down pretty quickly by this mm, the mm-hmm. police chief. So, you know, it happened in a house. They're quickly spirited away into the pizza place. After that, taken into the jail. Uh, and so you're only in these, like, this small amount of, like, locations. And, uh, yeah, I, to me, it, it's funny because that, like, like I said, that article in Skeptic Magazine, it really leans on that of being like, oh, well, there were like there were tons of cameras back then. People had tons of people had cameras and 
and, you know, camcorders and that kind of thing. And it's like, not really. I mean, like, I remember, I mean, we, we rarely had, I mean, I think we had like a, like a family camera that like wasn't great. Mm -hmm. And then maybe in like 90 or, or, or so we ended up getting like the, the big camcorder, which by the way, (laughs) I love the old camcorders that had like the full size microphone sticking out of you're sticking out of the front, and then <laughs> the like front. on the side of it was an entire like VHS type sized full. VHS. Yeah, right? right, right. And then that later evolved into like these little mini tapes. Well, you know, we had when talk we had about one of those. inconvenient. You got to take that mini tape, put it inside oh, a special like it's a regular size VHS tape, but with like a little thing for the mini tape, and then put yep. that in the v- VCR to play it, or you could connect the camcorder to the TV using AV cables and stuff. Oh, God. Right. Just such a mess, right? It's not yeah. convenient. It's not easy. It's a pain. <laughs> Which, by the way, like, I've never even thought of this until you just said this. And and we had one of those, like, adapter tapes. Like, just the just the quality loss that had to take place between recording on, like, a, a mini, it's like a deep, it was called, like, a mini something. Yeah. Mini tape. I, I mean, I don't know. I can't remember what it, it was. was like, but tiny. Like, it was like maybe like one inch by one and a half inches. Yeah, you know, right. Teeny tiny. Which I mean, it was like a miniature VHS tape, which is I mean, pretty. It was kind of adorable. But like putting that into the other like adapter to play it, it's like I just wonder how much like clarity and like loss <laughs> you had. Oh, in quality. Yeah, I don't For know. Sure. Yeah, I think. This case is fascinating. And like I said at the top, I think that just the massive amount of eyewitnesses, you know, sort of all over the map. And they're all kind of, I mean, other than like maybe sort of the innocent bystanders like at the pizza place and stuff like that, they're all like official people. They're they're, They're wardens, they're prison guards, they're police chiefs, you know, regular officers, and so again, I I lay it back on the skeptics to require like the the burden of proof and say you're telling me that all of these people just like made this thing up and and maybe some some of it was embellished like I said earlier, yeah. but I don't know, man. I, I just it's like it 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 does have that level of high strangeness that makes me actually believe it more than believe it less mm-hmm. you know yeah for sure as man. crazy as it sounds man, what a perfect spooky weird mm-hmm. rewind back into the into the archives of history here from way back in 93 and 83 mm-hmm. to just remind us man that some things are just unexplainable yeah and scary and weird yeah absolutely i i i, I tried to look up to see what old don decker was was doing nowadays, but I couldn't really find anything. Yeah, I mean, he was 21 and 83, so he's oh yeah. making it rain somewhere. Hey, yo. So, wait, how old would he have been when he tried to burn down the restaurant in the Poconos? Oh, let's see. 21 and 83. 2003's 41. So, 50. 2013, he'd be like, yeah, he'd be like 50. Oh. So, you're 50 years old, <laughs> and you're still... You're still a teenager at heart. Yeah. Well, guy. bless you, Don Decker. We... uh mm-hmm. We were sending good vibes your way because we know that you've had a hard, hard road. Mm-hmm. 
albeit a wet one. <laughs> well played. You got anything else, Woody? I think that's about it, man. Yeah, I think so too, man. Again, another fantastic Halloween-themed episode in the bag. And I think, uh, like you said, I, I think I think it's it's moving along nicely. I think we're... We have some amazing topics that, that we've been talking about and that we will still talk about uh, for the month of October, and uh, I'm, I'm super psyched about it. If you want to find us, head over to our social media on Instagram. There you can find a community of like-minded folks. Jump in the comment section. If you want to talk to us, shoot us a DM. If you want to tell us your story or write an essay about it, shoot it to thatwouldberadpod at gmail.com, or more importantly, if you would like to leave a voice memo and tell your own story or your own fantastical sort of account or or just local urban legend, whatever we say it all the time, uh, head over to thatwouldberadpodcast.com and there's a place right there where you can go right in and tell your story. From the website, you can jump on to podcatchers, find the show. There's a number of things that you can do and so... It's really awesome and really proud of it. For all of you patrons, we are so thankful. You guys absolutely rule. And for you non-patron patrons, you can find us over on Patreon. If you want a little more of that would be rad. There's uh, multiple episodes per month. There's all kind of goodies and and like music and you know eventually art and there's all kind of stuff. So if you're not getting your fill just from the free main feed that you're listening to right now, hit us up on our Patreon and we would really, really appreciate it. Get out there, tell one single friend about the show. It really helps a lot and it helps just bring in those, those like-minded folks that would naturally dig the show. Give us some five-star reviews if you're feeling kind at the moment. That really helps us out as well. And uh, I guess that's about it, man. Absolutely. Anything else? Anything? Mm, not in. No? All right. Well, we love you. We appreciate you. Stay spooky out there. And as always, be rad. That's the way it
clouds in a time where I just needed some sunshine. You were already dead before you became a ghost. You always said our future would be a parade of flowers, but now all that's left is a single rose. That's the way. Time to get down to the old D world. Probably not, man. I'm gonna be taking hefty, hefty handfuls of over-the-counter medication. Okay. I'm telling you, man. A regular resp. Um. Jeez, <laughs> man. Isms good. Ism good. I am good, pal. In my front yard. Just sharpening pencils, huh? <laughs> hey, man. I need a sharp tip for the episode. Just the tip, huh? Just the tip. By the way, I found a an amazing, uh, like old school vintage wood grain pencil sharpener at one of those antique stores that we go to, and it was it's maybe one of my favorite purchases of all time. You got it? Yeah, yeah. That's what that noise was. Oh wait a minute. That, I mean, that's vintage, but it's not. I mean, I have the hand cranked can, pal. That doesn't even work, by the way. Yeah, I I had one of those, but. It's the same. It, it's. Yeah. I think once they like dull, there's no. Oh, dude! All it does is chew the pencil up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and it like, it does that thing where where even if you think like, oh man, it's kind of got a sharp point, then the lead just like falls out. Yeah. Oh god. About? Yeah, that's because be yeah, you, you uh, did one too many pencil wars. <laughs> it breaks all the lead inside. Man, pencil wars! Dude, I haven't thought of that. I was in- first off. I don't know if you. I don't know how long it's been since you've perused the pages of the Guinness Book of World Records. It's been a while, but I should be in there for greatest pencil war champion of all time. Mm. I mean, you want to talk about paper football, or you want to talk about pencil wars, dude? Mm. I was the king, man. Indonesia's. Do you remember you, you boy. do that like you do that like sort of like twist move where you're just like, oh yeah, man, I'm I'm twisting it up, getting it ready, and then pop. Twist Doesn't move. know the twist move. What? It's basically my version of, you know, I don't know how long it's been again since you've watched Over the Top. It's been a while Sylvester also. Stallone, but same kind of deal, man. I got a method. Works. Mm. Anyway. Interesting. Which, dude, this, it's like every week we talk about like, man, it's finally here. It feels like October. This oh, week yeah. is kind of crazy. It's like 
the low today was like 44 degrees. Yeah. My front right. yard looks like a dead gum. I don't know what, like leaves are everywhere. It's like yeah, in one same. day, all the leaves fell down. Mm-hmm. Same. It's wild, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I am I am happy, though, with the uh, just, I mean, and we mentioned, I think we mentioned it last episode, but just the fact that, like, it's, you know, we're we're getting, like, a proper full month of, of uh, Halloween, you know? Yeah, dude, it reminded me. I started thinking about the time that we, you know, we trigger, we did, like, trick-or-treating over at your house. Mm-hmm. And this is like, a, several years ago. Oh, that was the worst. And, oh, my gosh, dude, it was freezing cold. Mm-hmm. And, like, your kids were still, like, young enough to be just, like, kind of, like, yeah, just not happy about it. And you just come around the corner, and I don't remember, like, I think it was, like, the year you had, like, multiple costumes or something, because I wasn't ready for this. And you come around the corner, <laughs> you got the bug costume. It's, like, your bug legs are just kind of, like, bam. Oh, dude, it was amazing. Yeah, it was very last minute. Uh, you still have that costume? I think so. Man. I don't even know where it came from. It just, it was just appeared in my house, and I was like, you know what? Halloween magic. Halloween time. <laughs> Welcome back, ghouls and gals, to your favorite episode. Welcome your back, favorite ghoul- episode. It's going to be your favorite episode. <laughs> well, it could be. 